Hey fam, welcome to the Free Trail Podcast. Of course, I am your loving host, Dylan Bowman, here today with Ali Ostrander, a very exciting new character in the trail running landscape. Many of you will be familiar with Ali. She was a world-class high school phenom runner in her home state of Alaska many years ago before moving on to an illustrious career at Boise State University, where she was a multiple-time national champion on the track. And while her high school and collegiate racing days were super-duper successful, Allie's pro career has come with some ups and downs, some bumps in the road, so to speak. But Allie is at a point now where she's ready for a new beginning and a blank canvas. Enter normal, enter trail running. You may have seen that Allie recently signed with Normal, the startup brand founded by Killian Jornet, and she will be making a concerted transition off the track and onto the trails. Another great example of a fantastic athlete in a peripheral sport that is moving to focus predominantly on the best sport in the world, that being trail running. Another amazingly talented person who will be fun to follow in the years to come. We, of course, talk a lot about this transition. We talk about Allie's experience uh, dealing with an eating disorder and recovery from that tough period. We talk about dealing with perfectionism. We talk about journaling and video creation. We talk about pursuing your passion in life. We, of course, talk at length about her partnership with Normal and a lot more. It's great to have Allie on the show. Great to have Allie in our sport. And I hope you enjoy the conversation. Of course, the Free Trail Podcast is made possible by Speedland, our presenting partner. And I have some happy news to share with you. That is our shipping schedule for the GS TAM. That's right. We are finally on the doorstep of receiving and shipping out all the pre-orders that have come in over the last several months. We expect to receive the first batch of the shoes around March 19th, so just a couple weeks from now, and a second uh, batch that will be arriving on or around March 25th or so. So Dave and Kevin will personally be in the shipping cave blasting these shoes to trail people around the world in the very near future. If you have pre-ordered, you should be receiving your product around the end of this month. So keep an eye out for an email with tracking information. Super duper exciting for all of us here on Team Speedland. I want to say a deep thank you to everyone who did pre-order the shoe. Speedland is a bootstrapped small business taking on the juggernauts of the footwear industry. And I'm so impressed by what Dave and Kevin have been able to do as just a two-man operation. It's an honor to be part of it. If you haven't pre-ordered yet, it's not too late. Visit runspeedland.com. Use code FREETRAIL10 for 10% off your purchase of these beautiful orange shoes. Also, if you missed it, make sure you subscribe to The Subhub, the new podcast in the Free Trail Network, co-hosted by MK Sullivan and Danny Moreno, that will be providing coverage and commentary on the sub-ultra distance racing circuit. Find it on whatever pod player you're on now and smash the subscribe button. Pretty please. I'm so obsessed with sub-ultra distance racing right now. Can't wait to be a listener throughout the season and in the years to come. Shout out to Danny and MK. Finally, join Free Trail Pro to keep the dialogue going after my conversation with Allie. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Allie Ostrander, welcome to the podcast. It's nice to meet you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited. Well, this is, yeah, like I just insinuated, this is the first time we've ever spoken. We've just been wrapping out for a couple of minutes before pressing record. Obviously, you've made relatively big news, at least in our small trail running circles, by announcing <laughs> a recent partnership with Normal. Uh, very exciting for me and other trail running observers. So I wanted to maybe start there. I watched your YouTube video about the partnership, and you mentioned that running has made you cry a lot of times in the last couple of years, but this was the first time that you were crying tears of joy. So maybe just, just start there. Just what's the feeling like to sort of have the belief and support and confidence of a brand and of an organization in your athletic life again? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you really like took some of my biggest points to the forefront there with just 
like having a brand to support you financially is one thing, but just knowing that they back you and what you're doing and they believe in you and your process and potential as a human and a runner, like that is the biggest thing to me. And it's just been like incredible working with normal so far and seeing like how they operate and how they want to integrate me into the company and all of that. Like, I just am so, so stoked to have a company that, that just sees so much benefit from just having a relationship with me. So I'm excited for all of it. I feel like (laughs) the amount of times I've said I'm excited is actually just nauseating at this (laughs) point. Like every time I talk to anyone about this, I just can't stop saying it. It just, it should become a drinking game. Honestly, just like if you take a shot, every time I say I'm excited, you might die. Yeah. Like I it's I'm sorry I'm trying to think of new fun ways to say it but it just it does sum it up I'm very excited (laughs) (laughs) amazing but like so I mean it may be hard for some people to understand but I think on a personal level there is a sense of validation that comes with a brand sort of believing in you when you were in that sort of moment of purgatory in your career where you didn't have support. Was there anything about that time that was uncomfortable? Did you start to doubt yourself and did you start believing in yourself with this new partnership with normal? Um, I think that I believed in myself through that entire period, but it's kind of one of those things where like, you can have a lot of self-confidence, but having that confirmed through other people like adds to that. And so while I did believe in myself, like getting confirmation from normal and from everyone that worked there, that they believed in me too, and had confidence in me, that was like, it took it to a new level where like before I was confident in what I was doing. And now I'm like zero doubt. Like I feel really, really good about this. So yeah, definitely is like, it's a validation, like you said. So maybe give the listeners a glimpse into how this all began. You said on one of your YouTubes that it originated in Instagram DM where all great relationships are born nowadays. So maybe, (laughs) yeah, yeah, for those who aren't familiar, uh, maybe just tell us how it came together after that. Yeah, I mean, I guess I can thank like, my year of not being sponsored for like obsessive checking of the DMs because like for little brands, you know, like I've done some small deals here and there, like they usually just slide into your DMs. So like, I'm always checking, you know, just in case there's something there. And it just so happened that normal, like reached out to me through my DMs. And really they said like, oh, we'd love to talk to you about like a partnership. And it moved pretty fast from there. I think by like meeting two, we were already kind of talking about details. And by meeting three, they had sent me like a contract to look over. And then I actually did all of the negotiations and stuff on my own. I didn't involve an agent this time around. So that was kind of a new experience, but I felt like... I felt like such a girl boss, you know, it was empowering and uh, exciting. So yeah, it was good. And like through everything, we just, it was really collaborative. Like we were working to come up with a race schedule, like a plan for the year. And we've also been in talks about like normal really wants to support our ambitions outside of athletics too. And so all of the athletes that are sponsored by normal kind of have projects that they're working on outside of their sport. And for me, I definitely want that to be something around like mental health and eating disorder awareness. And so like kind of talking to them, like shooting around ideas for some things I can do with that. So yeah, like it's, it's been a really cool process. I'm excited for the rest of it. Excited. The operative I, word. I told you I can't stop. It's a disease. Uh, drinking Literally game. Disease. I've got my sparkling water here. We'll see how many of these I can go through. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna be that. You're gonna need another liter for sure. To right. Get through this I will be effervescent after 
drinking every time you say excited. And I'm excited for you. I, and I'm excited for the sport in general. And we'll come back around and talking in more depth about the ways in which you're going to represent normal on and off the race course. But before we go too much further, you've had to obviously take a big step back from competing in the last couple of years. You've been amazingly transparent with the journey that you've been on. And I wondered as somebody who's been a high level athlete for your whole life, basically since childhood, what did you learn through that prolonged hiatus from competition? Like how, how did it reframe your relationship with running? Yeah. I mean, it was definitely a really weird feeling to not have running as the absolute number one priority because for, well, probably midway through high school, I basically decided like, okay, I want to, I want to be a runner. This is what I'm going to do. And from that point on, like running was number one priority and everything else fell below it. And so it was really weird a couple of years ago when I basically came to the point where like, maybe I still wanted running to be my number one priority, but I, it no longer could be like my body would not support it. I couldn't train at the level I wanted to without getting hurt. Um, and it just like, it wasn't possible anymore for me to continue with that hierarchy. And so I had to shift my priorities. I had to put my health as a number one priority and then let other things fall below it. And that was definitely a really hard shift for me. Like I talked, I talked through it a lot in therapy, just saying like how weird it was and how frustrating it was because I mean, for part of like when I was making this shift, I was also training for the Olympic trials and I was just like, it just doesn't make sense. Like this is the arguably the biggest race of my life. I should be, I should be, you know, putting more into running than ever before. But it was like, I, I can't, I literally am physically incapable. I have to pr switch my priorities or I will never be able to prioritize running in any way again. And so making that shift was tough, but I think like through making that shift, I also realized how imbalanced my life had become with just prioritizing running. And I realized that like I could have more things in my life and still be as successful and still have as good of training. Um, and I just had to find a way to balance it. And so I think that like going through that has really helped me add more balance to my life. And I mean, it also has given me more of an appreciation for my health. And I mean, besides that, it's like, <laughs> I mean, it is, it is built a lot of character, yeah, you know? So yeah. I feel like, you know, it's like running is obviously hard, but I think that like going through all of that has toughened me so much that sometimes like I'm in the middle of a workout and it'll start to get hard. And in my head, I'll just be like, yeah, I mean, like it's hard, but it's like, 10 minutes of hard. It's not like two years of hard. Yeah. You can definitely do this. It's going to be okay. Wow. So, yeah. Well, it's thanks for sharing that. <laughs> maybe backing up a step to set the context for the audience who maybe are less familiar with your story. Or I know, I know there was an experience where your coaches at the Brooks Beasts effectively gave you an ultimatum, forcing you to go into treatment for eating disorder. So maybe if you could describe that moment for the listeners, just so they have a better understanding of what you have been through and where it started. Yeah. Um, so when I was on the Brooks Beast, you know, we would get like blood work done and stuff like that. And I had been having like some pretty chronic injury problems at this point. I think that I had gotten like three bone injuries in, in six months and so, um, the, and they had me get a DEXA scan, which like to measure bone density and from like the blood work, the DEXA scan and the injury history, like the doctors, um, associated with the team were like really concerned and like basically the, the doctors, my coach, athletic trainer stuff, they all decided that like, it was pretty urgent for me to enter treatment for my eating disorder and said like, 
look, you don't have to do this, but if you don't do this, then you, you can't stay on the team. We won't clear you to race. And so I was like, well, that's not even like a choice in my book because I, the thing that I prioritize the most in my life is like running, being Mm -hmm. able to race, being able to compete. And so I went to treatment. They told me this on a Monday and I left on Thursday. So it was a very quick, quick little turnaround there. Um, And then the six weeks I was in treatment were the six weeks leading up to the Olympic trials in 2021. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was doing all my training like alone in the morning before I went to treatment for 10 hours a day. So it was a very mentally and physically emotionally exhausting time period in my life. Like it was just so hard looking back. I don't know how I did it. It's kind of one of those things where like you're just survival mode the whole time. It's you maybe shouldn't be able to do it, but like, if you just do it like one hour at a time, you can. Yeah. Oh yeah. Was there any part of you that was sort of relieved in that conversation with your coaches, even if it was scary and uncomfortable? The reason I ask is because I broke my ankle in 2019 and it was at a moment in my life, in my career, where I was like in the depths of doldrums, you know, sort of really depressed yeah. and fighting all these internal battles. And so finally, when my I broke my ankle, it was the moment where it was like, okay, running is off the table for you now. Yeah. And now you're forced to sort of confront this situation. And there was a strange sense of relief for me. Was it similar for you? Um, I would say like the stress and dread of going into treatment outweighed the relief, but there was like a tiny undercurrent of relief of thinking like, Oh, maybe this doesn't have to be how I live the rest of my life. Like maybe it can be different and maybe it can be better. So that was like a tiny little bit of relief, but I think I was just so scared and fearful of the entire experience that it wasn't the main emotion that I felt. Yeah. And I think it's eating disorder awareness week right now, ironically, that we're, we're yeah. speaking. So <laughs> thank you for being open about this. And I don't plan to make this the majority of our conversation, but I'm sure this will be valuable to a lot of people. I know you've said that a lot of it maybe comes from perfectionist tendencies. Maybe some of it's born through a culture of trying to adhere to some body type as an athlete, et cetera. But I think, you know, the perfectionism thing is something that a lot of people who struggle with this particular phenomenon identify as something that is a source of their disordered eating. So I wondered if you'd learned any practical tools about how you can relinquish that need for perfection. Um, I mean, I think that I definitely... <laughs> still really struggle with that. But I think the biggest thing for me is like reframing it and not like, you know, I used to kind of see like restriction as a part of training and thinking like I've done my training and now like if, you know, I want it to work so I can't eat or something that that's, that's extreme. But like, you know what I mean? Like along those lines Mm -hmm. and so now kind of thinking of it more along the lines of like, okay, I've done my training and now I want to make sure that like, I'm getting in like the, the right foods so that I can recover, you know, making sure I'm getting enough carbs and protein and thinking of it in a more constructive way of like really trying to be intentional with my nutrition and making sure it's supporting my training. And that's not to say that like, I'm, being perfectionist and, you know, only eating like, you know, clean whole foods and stuff like that. But like just trying to make sure that I'm actually supporting my training instead of, um, inhibiting myself from like adapting to that training. Um, but as far as like perfectionism in other areas of life go, it definitely is a struggle, like even social media, um, like, I have such a hard time accepting, you know, I put a lot of work into a video or something and maybe it's like, you know, it's just getting fewer views than I want or there's negative comments and that just gets me like so upset, you know, but I, I think the more that I 
experience little bits of failure in my life. Like, even if it's not a huge failure, you know, like it's something minor, like a video, just not doing how I want it to. The more I experience that, the more that I see that it's okay. And more than anything, it helps me learn and helps me do better next time. And like the overall general trend when I'm like really, really working, putting a lot of effort into something if I don't let those failures deter me from continuing to put that effort in, then the general trend is usually up. And that's kind of what I try to pay more attention to. I'm like, it's not going to be a perfect trajectory, but if the trend is going up, then you can accept that, that things are going pretty well. It's working at least to some extent. And, and if the trend isn't up, then that's when I have to kind of reevaluate. But yeah, I guess Perfectionism is an ongoing struggle, but the more that things aren't perfect, but they end up okay, the more I'm like, hmm, I guess there's more than one way to get to here. So we'll we'll try it. We'll try something new and exciting. Yeah. Exciting. There's the word again. Let's drink. No, just <laughs> you, knew, you knew I had to sum it up somehow. So, you know, excited. The Free Trail Podcast is brought to you by Best Day Brewing. Dry January is over, but your boy is staying disciplined with his alcohol consumption or lack thereof. Not exaggerating, this is one of the biggest focuses of my life right now to reduce my overall alcohol intake as a dad, as an athlete, as a small business owner. Every day is just filled to the brim with important responsibilities that deserve and require my full attention. And I have noticed that I just do not operate with the same focus or with the same energy when I'm drinking, even just one or two nights a week. I have to say also my mood and attitude are so much worse when I'm on the booze also. As such, I've been making a huge effort to reduce my consumption and my goodness do I feel so much better. And that's where Best Day Brewing comes in. I can still enjoy the ritual of a cold beer without the alcohol that so compromises my performance both on and off the trails. Best Day is brewed for doers like you and me. I'm sure there are many listeners who find themselves in the same position as me. You don't have to fully abstain, but let's hold each other accountable to reduce our alcohol intake in 2023. Visit bestdaybrewing.com and enjoy their selection of delicious craft brews and have your best day yet. Bestdaybrewing.com. Tell them free trail sent you. Cool. Yeah. Again, thanks for sharing so much about it. I'd love to take a step much further back you live in Seattle, but you're from Alaska, the pride of Kenai, Alaska. I wondered if you could describe what it's like growing up up there, how being a native Alaskan has shaped the person you are now. Yeah, I think that it's probably less different than people imagine it being, but there's definitely a little bit of a different culture in Alaska, a little bit more of like, I don't give a fuck going on, you know? And the town I grew up in was pretty small. So I think that that definitely influenced me at least to some extent, because most of the stuff you did for fun was, you know, going mountain biking or going hiking or going fishing or going cross country skiing, stuff like that. So it was more about just being outside, being in nature in the mountains. And that was something I grew up with thinking of like the fun activity we do. And so I've always just associated those activities with, with fun and positivity. So I think that that was, you know, a part of it for me and a reason why I have such positive connotations around trails and mountains and why I was so excited <laughs> to um, be working with a trail brand. Yeah. And I want to hear all about what you have planned on the trails, because I'm sure there's going to be thousands of trail fans out there who are eagerly awaiting you. Or, I mean, you've already sort of announced your race schedule, but I'd love to talk about it in depth with, with you. But before we do, I'd love to start with the origin story, because I know you have a long history with Mount Marathon. And there are a lot of trail fans out there who even if they've never done it, are familiar with the legend that is this incredible race in Seward, Alaska. So maybe could you just describe its significant in the Alaskan sporting culture and the role it's played in your athletic journey? Yeah. So I grew up, Mount Marathon was 
kind of the first race that I ever did competitively because when you're young, there aren't really many opportunities for actual like serious races, I guess, you know, there's like community five K's and stuff, but they don't have the same charged vibe that, um, Mount marathon does. And so I think I did it my first time when I was nine years old and I wasn't, I didn't do anything crazy. You know, I think I got like 18th in the, in the girls race, but I remember just, it kind of like lit my competitive juices because I just loved that it was, it was so, you know, intense. And so then like the next year I went back and I got second. And then after that I won and like my progression on Mount marathon also throughout the years, it was like, I was slowly, slowly like moving away from soccer, which was my original first sport. And then towards running. And the more I got into running, the more I got into Mount marathon and like wanting to go train on the mountain more, like having strategy and like trying, like practicing little technical bits of the trail and stuff like that. Um, and so that was definitely like a huge thing when I was growing up. Mount Marathon was every summer was that was like, yeah, let's do it. Um, and and then once I went to college, it was really hard because it was like right after track season. Um, but I did do it once in college. And then since then, I haven't been able to just with conflicts of like USA meets and um, track. But now I'm thinking it's definitely going to fit into the schedule a little bit more. So not this year, but at some point I'll be doing Mount Marathon. And it is going along with the origin. My first year out of high school, so the first summer I had just graduated, that summer I did Mount Marathon. And Killian Journey and Emily Forsberg were both there and did the race. They both won and set course records And that was kind of the first time that anyone from out of state had done the race. Any pros had come into town for it. So it was really, really cool. Um, And I got second behind Emily, very, very far behind her. (laughs) Um, But it was like so cool to see her and how, how just insane she was on the trails and like the technical terrain and she was literally like smiling as she was running down and I was like you see me running down and I'm just like in a very very dark place and she's just like happy sunshine like woohoo so fun so very cool to see but anyways like that's my tie because Killian Journey is the co-founder of Normal and so that's like my first tie to this brand and I honestly think that Like that is the only reason that they knew who I was. And so it's kind of like Mount Marathon is basically the reason that I got this contract. So I was going to ask you about this. So I'd love to (laughs) stay here for a second because you were somewhat of a phenom coming out of high school. I know you were recruited to basically all the top division one track and cross country programs in the United States. So did you have an opportunity to meet Killian and Emily when they were there to interact with them? And was there anything about seeing them racing in Alaska that sparked some inspiration to explore the trails, even though you were young at the time on this other crazy successful track and cross country trajectory? Yeah. I mean, it was, I did meet them and get to talk to them a little bit and it was really, really cool. I, I remember just kind of being a little bit starstruck, like, because at the time, you know, I was about to go to college. I had signed at Boise state and I was excited, but, um, (laughs) like seeing pro runners was also just a cool concept thinking that that could be a career down the line, that that could be something that I could do. And definitely like seeing them on Mount marathon was a little bit of of inspiration of just knowing that there were so many different avenues, you know, cause I was at the time pretty focused in on track and cross country, but like it was always kind of in the back of my head that there are people that, that are pro for trails, you know, it's not just the track yeah. or the roads or cross country. So yeah. Well, Killian is effectively like the Kipchoge for us trail <laughs> folks. And it is funny yeah. to see how things have come full circle with normal. So maybe coming back to normal for a bit, you mentioned 
that they view you as a 360 degree person, not just an athlete. So maybe if you could give us a sense as to what the expectations are, a balance between performance, content creation, advocacy work, like how are you planning to represent normal on and off the trail? Yeah. I mean, so it is still an athletic contract, so I don't really have obligations outside of athletics. It's more like there are benefits outside of athletics. So they said like they will support a personal project for like a, um, you know, something of my choice, which I said would be eating disorder awareness. Um, and like, I'll probably have a couple of like appearances a year for them, but also like they're going to provide me with like really good content. They have like, I've already done a photo shoot with them. They've, they have like videographers, photographers going to big races, stuff like that. So like, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm just, just like benefiting from them, like giving me good content to work with, you know, like I'm not necessarily creating content for them, but like I am representing their brand through my content and I'm representing them through races that I'm competing in. And so to me, it's just like, I get excited because I know it's a young brand and that I have an opportunity to like showcase that through my content that I create and I put out on social media, Instagram, YouTube, all of that. And so it gets me really excited because as an employee of normal, like I want to be able to represent them as well as I can. And in my opinion, like representing them on the race course is is awesome and like a super, super great opportunity for me. But I think that it's, you can get so much larger of a reach if I'm representing them on social media. I think that like, I, I always hated the term influencer, but like, I think that influencers are the future. Like I'm not like, I'm not lying when I say that. I just feel like social media marketing is going to become like the main form of marketing. Like it already kind of is. And so for me to have the opportunity to like show normal in so many different contexts on social media to me is like as valuable, if not more valuable than me showing them in races. Yeah. Um, and that brands, said, races are definitely more of my focus, Yeah, but just, I think as far as like doing my part for normal, giving back to that brand after like everything they've done for me, I see social media is like a huge part of that. Yeah. And brands want to be in alignment with authentic people. And obviously you're a fantastic athlete, but when you pair it, with your personal story and the things that you're passionate about, it reflects really positively on them. And you're right. I think in today's day and age, competing and performing on a race course is less than half of the job of the professional athlete. And you do a fantastic job of completing the other half of the job. (laughs) Hanging out on this subject of creativity, you're a fairly prolific content creator. And I'd love to talk about both your video creation, but also journaling. So maybe let's start there because in watching some of your YouTube videos, it seems like you have a fairly consistent journaling practice. I wondered <laughs> what what value that brings into your life, where it was born and yeah, any tips or tricks or just pieces of advice for people who may want to develop a similar practice. Yeah. I mean, I'm not like crazy consistent with it, but I feel like I definitely go through phases where I'll journal a lot. And that usually kind of stems around like if, if it's like a hard time in my life, I'll journal more just because putting things down on the page helps me process them. But I mean, it started with just training logs. Like when I was in college, we were issued training logs for our team. And so I was very consistent, like writing in that all the time. Um, And then since college, I've kind of, gone through a couple different journals, just like casual journaling, not so much about training. And now I kind of log all of my training, just like on my phone, like on apps and I'll just like type in details. Mm -hmm. But I have been like playing with the idea of getting like an actual physical 
training log because I like the act of writing with a pencil. I think it's like therapeutic, but yeah, I think journaling is just, it's a good thing to have in your back pocket. If you ever need help processing something, it doesn't work for everyone. But for me, I feel like if I write about something long enough, I'll just kind of, I'll, I'll be able to get to a point where I either figure it out or figure out that it was not valid at all. And I can just chill. It's <laughs> great. You can sort of process things that you're struggling with. I've always exactly. been enamored with the practice, but I've never gotten around to actually putting pen to paper literally. So <laughs> maybe I'll yeah. use you as my inspiration. So maybe talk about your video creation side of things briefly. I'd love to just hear about how you derive ideas about things that you want to do creatively and how the act of being creative augments your athletic life? Yeah. I mean, I kind of, I get ideas usually from like seeing other content online, honestly. Like I, I wish I just was the most creative person in the world, but like a lot of the time it's sort of tangentially related to something else I've seen. And I was like, Oh, I could do something along those lines, just like tailor it to my niche or whatever. Um, and, oh, but also a lot of my content, especially on YouTube is just kind of literally what my training is and showing it online. And so it's kind of a mix of ideas that I come up with for like concept videos and then just training slash workout videos, races. Um, I think like one of the biggest things about my Instagram and my YouTube that I always am just trying to remind myself is that my, one of my biggest goals is just to actually kind of show like my authentic personality and who I am. And I think that's pretty easy to do through especially long form media, like on YouTube, because it's, I don't script videos. Like it just, whatever happens happens. You know, I was talking to like a professional videographer and he was, he was acting like we were on the same level. And I was like, no, you don't, you should never ever think that like you are over here. I am way down here. You <laughs> have an idea. You have a concept. You've got certain shots you want to get. I just video everything and hope for the best. Like that's, we are not the same. You and I, we're not the same. So like, that's me, you know, I just try to put things together in a way that I think is entertaining. That's funny. That shows what training is like, but doesn't make things too seriously. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not going to talk a lot about my creative process. Cause like I said, it's a throw everything at the wall and yeah. You well, for the best. <laughs> I, I mean, as somebody who has watched several of your videos, I think your character, your humor, your values come out in a way that is compelling to the viewer. And so I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't, uh, you know, sell yourself short on that front. And if you love <laughs> long form content creation, it's time to start a podcast, Alia. Let's go. Oh, yeah. We have been talking about it for so long. So Spencer, my boyfriend, Spencer, is also a YouTuber and he's a runner. And then my coach, Ari, who's also like one of our best friends, is a triathlete and a YouTuber. So all three of us are like, do we just make a podcast together? Should we do it? <laughs> and we've been talking about it for months and not much action has happened, but you never know. Maybe yeah. it will. <laughs> well, let me know if you need any tips or help on that. I'm happy to support. <laughs> The Fruit Row Podcast is brought to you by the Gnarly Nutrition Baseline Series. You may be wondering, is iron supplementation for you? Iron is essential for oxygen transportation in your body. Endurance athletes, women, and plant-based athletes are particularly vulnerable to iron deficiencies. And Gnarly Nutrition makes hitting your baseline iron needs easy with the Gnarly Baseline Iron Plus. More than your typical iron supplement, Gnarly's Iron Plus has blood-boosting nutrients like vitamin B12, folate and vitamin C for improved iron absorption. Similarly, vitamin D is known for its role in bone health 
immune and muscle function, and inflammatory response. But lifestyle factors like decreased sunlight in winter months make vitamin D deficiency a worldwide issue, something I recently learned. Gnarly Baseline D3 is a natural plant-based vitamin, a simple vegan-friendly product that will ensure you're training on a solid foundation. To check out the Iron Plus and the Gnarly Vitamin D3, visit gonarly.com. Use code FREETRAIL15 for 15% off your order. So let's talk about trail running, Allie. This is going to be so exciting to just discuss with you. I'd love to, as we move into this subject matter, just kind of get your two cents on trail running as a whole, as someone who's spent a few years at least in the professional road and track space. Like how do some of your peers view trail running and its ascendancy as a professional sport? Um, I think people definitely respect trail running as far as realizing that it's difficult and it's like a separate skill set from track and roads. But I also think people in general see trail runners as people that like couldn't succeed on the track and then like go to trails, which I mean, I don't necessarily agree with just because I have seen multiple times where like someone is retiring from track and decides to go to the trails and they, they aren't immediately successful. It's kind of like, oh yeah, like obviously just because you're good at track doesn't mean you'll be good on the trails. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as my perspective with it, I am really excited Um, (laughs) but I also am a little nervous just because I haven't like in the last three or four years, I haven't done very many trails. And so I feel like I'm going to be a little rusty. It'll be a bit of an adjustment, but I'm doing two road races this spring. And after that I'm hard switching to trails. So hopefully in that time I can just really, really hit the trails hard and get that, you know, those little trail techniques back in the system. Yeah. But it's, I mean, when you've won Mount Marathon, you know (laughs) that you have all the tools in the toolbox. It's probably just a matter of refining them a little bit, polishing them a little bit. Yeah. A matter of refining for sure. Um, yeah, I think that trails are going to be a new challenge. There might be like in my head, there's also like this pressure of, I want to be like on top right away, but I keep reminding myself that the trail world is actually, it's very competitive. There are so many super incredible athletes. And I think that as long as I can just kind of hold my own, especially this first year, I'll be pretty happy. Um, but we'll just have to see. I mean, there is, it's so different yeah there there's a lot obviously like there's trail there's verts there's technical terrain but also a lot of these distances are so much further than i've ever raced and even the ones that are short with all the vert they they end up being like pretty long time wise Mm -hmm. so it's just gonna be like it's gonna be really interesting because i've been doing races that are like five to 15 minutes long. And now I'm going to go for like races that are an hour to two and a half hours long. So yeah, I think that's going to be the biggest change is just how long a race is. Yeah. In one of your videos, you talked about giving yourself grace and allowing yourself to develop as a trail athlete, which we're kind of talking about now, but as someone with the pedigree that you have, how do you cultivate that patience with the new discipline and this new career path? Like what are are the steps that will help you accelerate your development? Yeah. I don't think I'm the person to go to for advice about patience, but I'm going to be trying to really, really have some of that this year. Um, But yeah, I'm such a, such an uber competitive person that when I'm not doing well at something, especially if I feel like I could be doing well, I get so frustrated. Like I don't really get frustrated when I'm singing and it's bad because like, I know that I'm, I could not be good at singing. Mm -hmm. Like it would just, it was never in the cards, but like when I'm playing like a board game 
and I'm not doing well, I get so frustrated because I know that I could do well and I'm not. Um, so with trails, that's going to be something I have to just work on this year because I, I know that I need to have patience and be able to allow myself to improve and develop and get used to the trails. So I think that a couple of things I'm going to do are, like I said, be looking at the overall um, trend of my performances Mm. and kind of trying to track that and see how it's going Um, and not looking too much into, you know, one performance Um, and then also just having like process goals along the way too. Um, I think some of the things that I've been doing are looking at, you know, time training, tracking my progress, like on the bike, in the gym, you know, also like really trying to focus in on stacking weeks instead of like trying to get, you know, perfect days. And so those are some of the things that I'll, I'll kind of be able to zoom out on. Yeah. Fantastic. I just had Heather Jackson on the podcast. I'm not sure how closely you're following the trail space, but she is coming over from being a longtime, super successful professional triathlete, multiple time top five finisher at Ironman Kona. And I asked her a question that I would love to ask you about sort of new beginnings and the freedom and joy that's inherent in those new beginnings? Are you, I mean, we've talked about being excited, but is there anything (laughs) else you want to share about how you're thinking about this fresh door opening in your life and in your professional career? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think I might've mentioned it once, but I am pretty excited. Um, and (laughs) I, I definitely feel Like when I started talking to normal about these trail races, making my racing schedule with them, like watching YouTube videos of these races online, like I, my insides like lit up so much. It just got me just so (laughs) excited. (laughs) (laughs) It just, I don't, I don't know how else to describe it. Like stoked, stoked is another way to say it. They went off the chart. They (laughs) left the planet. Um, and I think that that's, I mean, that kind of happened when I signed a pro contract in track too. like thinking about, Oh, I can go to the diamond league races. I can do this, go international. Um, but like with this, it was different because it's literally something I've never experienced. I'm not just going to a different country to run on a similar surface. Like I'm going to a different country experiencing entirely different terrain and landscape. And like, I really feel like I'm going to get to experience so much through trail running and I just can't wait. And like you said, there's kind of like a just general you know, new beginnings type feel to it. And I definitely get that there there's less pressure on me, I think, because I've never been in this space fully before. So I kind of don't know where I stand and that's, it's nerve wracking, but it's also exciting. (laughs) It just like, it, it gets me just amped about the coming season because like, I want to, I want to prove myself in a new arena and I want the, the experience of all of these new races, like watching videos of them, trail racing gives me like tour de France vibes, you know, in the tour de France, when the fans are like lining the streets and like barely one biker can just slip through. Like that is, that is what I think of when I see like these golden trail series races with all the fans, just like stoked and lining the streets and lining the trails and just like cheering people on. And so I am just very looking forward to that atmosphere. You're going to love it and you're going to fit Right. And, and it's a really special moment for you to be entering the sport. I'm sure you've heard from a lot of people, but let's talk about training a little bit. In one of your videos, you mentioned the connection between passion and motivation. And I would love it if you would maybe expand on that for the audience. What is the connection between 
passion and motivation. And maybe if you could provide an example from your own athletic career where those two things were not in alignment. Yeah, I like, so I didn't do a thesis in college, but I did do like a final project. And mine was a research study about the relationship between um, passion and injury rates in athletes in college. And so I learned a lot about passion and basically how there's like harmonious and obsessive passion and how one is more advantageous and one can be kind of dangerous. Um, and I mean, my study, I think just wasn't very well designed looking back on it. Um, but I think that it is a really interesting concept of basically like when passion goes too far, when it becomes obsessive, how it can actually be detrimental. Um, and it's kind of a slippery slope of trying to make sure that it stays harmonious with you. I think that there were definitely a lot of years of my life where my passion for, was more on the obsessive side of things. You know, I was willing to work out when like the weather conditions were dangerous or when I was injured or when I was sick and it was never a question of whether I would do it. It was like, I'm doing it. It doesn't matter. Like mm. I have to do this. You know, there were times where my passion was driven by like external expectations of me and feeling like just absolutely terrified of failing. Um, but I think that for me now, especially over the last year, like one thing that I've realized is that my passion for running, it doesn't need to be obsessive because it it's always there. Like the undertone of it is always like that beautiful, harmonious passion of just deriving so much joy from the sport and like having a year of my life where I wasn't sponsored. There was no one telling me I had to run, no one telling me I needed to work out. I, I knew that I just intrinsically wanted to do that and felt so much happier in my life when I was able to. And so like the last year definitely showed me that my passion can be harmonious and I've kind of been able to bring it back to that. And I'm just trying to stay in that nice little spot now. And as far as like passion and motivation, I've just like the start of the new year and, you know, I'm on social media, seeing all these posts and people talking about like motivation and discipline and be relentless. And it's just like, I, yes, there are definitely days and times and places for like tapping into your motivation and getting yourself to do something like that. Definitely. There's a time and a place for it. But I think if that is an everyday occurrence for someone, then it's just, it perplexes me because then you don't care about your goals mm. if you're having to dig in deep for motivation every day. Because if you actually are passionate about your goals, they will get you excited six to seven days a week. You know, there's maybe one or two days a month where you're literally like, oh, I just don't want to do this. No part of me wants to, you know, you're tired or whatever. But like, I would say, yeah, in the last month, there were probably one to two days where I really had to dig deep for motivation. But most of the time, I'm just I'm just stoked to train. It's something I love doing. It's something I derive a lot of joy from. Mm -hmm. And that's because I care about my goals. I'm very passionate about those goals. And so for people that have these goals that they are having to try so hard to motivate their se themselves towards. I just think that they need to reevaluate their goals and mm -hmm. figure out like what actually sets their soul on fire, even though that sounds like cheesy as fuck. Like that's just, you know, it's like true. that's just what it is. You know, like I think, I mean, this is also like going back to like some of my college classes. Like I took a class about physical activity and it talked about physical activity playgrounds and how, what, like, what is your playground where you're active, but it doesn't feel like work. You're just really happy doing it. And I just think that most people haven't found that. Yeah. And like runners, trail runners, cyclists, triathletes, like all of those, like they, they've, they've found it. They found that type of activity that just makes them so happy and they love to do it. And then 
people are trying to force themselves to be someone that loves to go to the gym or loves to go on a run. And maybe that's just not what they like doing. Yeah. That's when I think you have to have all that motivation. So anyways, that was super long-winded. I'm, I'm sorry. I love it. No, I mean, it makes me think just what a miracle it is to find the thing that you love doing in life. There's so many people who don't have that luxury. And so maybe your yeah. words will inspire one or two people to be introspective and find the thing that lights them on fire, even if it is cheesy as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I'm also sorry, sorry if I can't swear on this podcast. No, like, no, no. We, we encourage say, profanity like, on this podcast. <laughs> um, so speaking of goals that really motivate us, it feels like time where we should start talking about some of the goals that you have for 2023. Lay out your race calendar for us and especially emphasize the trail competitions because you <laughs> will be speaking to a trail oriented audience. Okay. Well, this is the first time I don't think I've ever spoken to a trail oriented audience. So that's exciting. Um, but so my first race is this weekend, it's gate river run 15 K us champs. That's a road race. And then I'm doing Carlsbad five K road race on April 2nd. And then the trail racing will begin April 29th and 30th. I'm doing us mountain champs. And then June, which is in New Hampshire, I think. Right. So it's an all the all uphill race, right? I think there's both. I think there's an all uphill and an up and down. And will you do both? I'm signed up for both. Okay. Keep going. Then June, I think it's 18th. I'm doing broken arrow and we will see each other there. We will meet in person (laughs) there and look forward to it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and then I cannot remember the date that this is. I need to look it up. I was literally trying to talk to someone about this today and I was like, ah, I should really know this better. But I'm doing um, Dolomith's trail race. Golden Golden Trail World Series. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and that's in July. And then in August, I'm doing Sierras and All. And then in September, I'm doing Pikes Peak. Fantastic. And so it it seems as if you're going to be targeting a lot of the Golden Trail World Series races, potentially trying to qualify for the final at the end of the year. But obviously take it one step at a time. And I think, yeah, taking the approach of allowing yourself to develop, have some fun, repolish the technical downhill uh, (laughs) skills. The downhill downhill will need quite a bit of polish. We did it that. (laughs) Well, it's, it's so exciting, Allie, and you're going to fit right in with our sport and we're going to welcome you with open arms. Maybe as we make our way towards the end of our conversation, I'd love to just kind of understand a little bit more about your training. You show some of your, you know, workouts and stuff and the videos that you post, but you're training at a low volume now. I don't know if that's as a result of, you know, recovering from injury, but you do a lot of work in the gym and cross train. So maybe give the audience a sense of the balance between those things and how you think that might progress throughout the season. Yeah. Um, yeah, I run low volume. I run about 35, 40 miles a week. I run five days a week. I do three gym sessions, like lifts a week. And then I do um, five cross-training sessions a week, two of those being longer workout sessions. So yeah, that's kind of the, the training plan. It's what I've been doing for probably six months now. And it's the volume where I feel comfortable that I'm not going to get injured. Mm -hmm. I had like a very terrible cycle of injuries going. And so I'm at this point, I'm just like not willing to push things to a point where I start to feel nervous at all. So I'm just trying to be like very conservative, but still getting in all the quality that I need to get in. So like, how does right that now, volume compare to when you were running for the Brooks Beast? I'm just just personally curious here. Yeah, I mean, my volume has definitely been all over the place throughout my life. Like yeah. in my time on the Brooks Beast, it it did vary anywhere from like 
40 miles a week with a lot of cross training all the way up to running, you know, 80 miles a week. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's always just kind of been around like how far out from an injury I am, but yeah, I, I hope that in a couple years I'll be able to up the volume. I don't see it happening this year. Um, but I really feel like I've found a way to gain enough fitness from that setup, mm-hmm. which is all I can ask for. It's also worth noting that three to four of my runs a week are on the treadmill uphill. Mm. So I do a lot of just purely uphill running because it's lower impact. Yep. And it also like, you know, it doesn't seem like as much fun as being outside, which it's not, but it's like me just being really cautious and trying not to get injured. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's number one priority, but it reminds me, uh, like I said, I just had Heather Jackson on the podcast and she still really emphasizes the bike in her training. She's also competing professionally on the gravel scene while she's transitioning over into ultra trail running. But I mean, she just ran under the course record at Black Canyon 100K and only her second ultra marathon. So it's proof that that cross training does pay dividends in trail races and with your talent and with your, you know, competitive experience, there's no reason to believe that even low volume of run training paired with being disciplined in the gym and doing sessions as with cross training can be a great recipe for success. And I think that's important for people to realize. So Ali, let's move to my sort of final closing, closing questions here uh, before we sign off and thanks so much for your time. This has been really fun to get to know you. Who is one person that you admire? It can be somebody inside of sport or outside of sport. And why is it that you admire that person? Um, Well, this probably won't really be relatable to anyone, but I really admire my sister, my older sister, Taylor. She's just, you know, she's great. My best friend. And um, yeah, throughout life, like we've just always been there for each other. And like, personally just seeing her right now she's she's at the end of PA school and like seeing her you know do college athletics like go to grad school have like a career and then go back and do PA school and just like everything she does she just approaches with this like tenacity and power of will that is very admirable and I always get a front row seat to watch it so she's definitely just someone that I admire a lot maybe quickly if you could add any color as to in what way she helped you through this recent rough patch that you had to navigate? Cause it seems like your family is really important to you. I'd love to hear how Taylor was particularly supportive. Yeah. I mean, Taylor has also had her own struggles. So she was able to relate at a different level than most people in my life. And I mean, she's just, she's great. She's just a rock. Like I know that I can always count on her. If I'm struggling with anything, I can call her up or like, if I'm really struggling, like she, she will get on a flight and she'll show up here. So it's just like, there were multiple times where like I visited her or she visited me or whatever. And she's always like willing to have difficult conversations, like willing to push me, um, further than most people will, because she knows that like at the end of the day, I'll still love her. So she can, she can press a few buttons that need to be pressed. Um, and so, yeah, she's just like, she's great to have. Shout out Taylor. Final question for you here, Allie. What is one truth that you've learned about yourself or about life in general through your experience as an athlete? Um, I think that like, it's not necessarily one thing, but like running and everything that running has made me go through has continually just like reminded me how strong I am and not necessarily just physically, but like mentally too. And just that I can be super resilient and get through things. And I just have to like allow myself to get through them. But like most things that get thrown at me, I just now have the confidence and knowing that like I can handle it. Fantastic. Allie, I have to say, I'm very excited to have you in trail running. It's great to have you on the podcast and look forward to hopefully meeting in person at Broken Arrow. Yeah, yeah, that'll be great. Thank you for having me on. How? 
How cool is Allie? What a super fun combo. Hope you all enjoyed it. I really loved the part near the end about finding your passion in life. What a gift it is. I'm sure you all feel the same. What was your favorite part? Please do let me know. I would love to hear. Free Trail Pro members, throw it up in the Free Trail podcast Slack channel. For those who are not members, you should join. In addition to our powerful Slack community, we also have many other perks, a lot of member-only content, community Zoom calls, exclusive member-only discounts, and a lot more. There is also a free trial, so you can just come check it out with no pressure and no risk. Visit freetrail.com and click the button that says join Free Trail Pro. There's also a link here in the show notes that will make it a bit faster. Thank you to our sponsors, of course, Speedland, run speedland.com. Use code FREETRAIL10 to get 10% off the GS TAM. Gnarly Nutrition, go gnarly.com. Use code FREETRAIL15 for 15% off your purchase. And Best Day Brewing, the best non-alcoholic beer option out there. Of course, if you need some guidance in your trail journey, we would love it if you joined Free Trail Experts, where we have enlisted some amazing coaches who are fantastically experienced, who offer expertise across your skill, ambition, and ability level. Our hope is to really just make your time in the sport more fun, more enjoyable, and more successful. So visit the link in the show notes to check out Free Trail Experts. That's it for now. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. Love you all so much. Talk to you very soon. Bye-bye.